Thank you for tuning in to the Diligent Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we talk about the Bible, speak the truth, and make Bible study come to life. Here is your host, Joshua Cantrell. Welcome to the Diligent Podcast, where we make Bible study come to life, and I am your host, Joshua Cantrell. We are just so uh, thankful and appreciative for you uh, to be tuning in to not just the Diligent Podcast, but uh, to all of the podcasts under the Scattered Abroad Network. Uh, this is uh, made possible, of course, by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. I certainly want to thank two great preachers, uh, that being Michael Clark and Caleb Brotherford, for their vision, for their leadership, uh, for their uh, fortitude to uh, not only uh, create uh, such an avenue uh, for us to talk, but ultimately for all of us to talk about Jesus. Uh, Because at the end of the day, uh, that's what it's about. It begins and ends with King Jesus the Christ. On this first season of the Diligent Podcast, we have been asking and answering a question. And that question is, how do you handle? Now, in life, all of us handle different things in different ways. We all are working. We all are trying to improve our lives. And ultimately, we have the blueprint to do that. The blueprint to do that is the Bible. How do you handle failure? How do you handle failure? Now, all of us can appreciate this idea of failure because if you have tried something, nine times out of 10, you probably failed at it first. Very often do we try something the first time and we're able to do it the first time. I can remember growing up, there were just many of different things that come to mind right now that I really tried to do and I really put in a lot of effort in doing it, but it didn't happen. It did not work out. I can think of one in particular, an episode in the life of Michael Jordan. I can remember reading about him being cut from his ninth grade basketball team. Now imagine that, Michael Jordan uh, being cut from his ninth grade basketball team. And what did he do? He got better. He allowed that failure to motivate him, to encourage him, to build him up, ultimately uh, to play his 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, to go to North Carolina University, to be drafted by the Chicago Bulls to go on to win six NBA championships during the 90s. And now he's recognized as probably the greatest, uh, not just basketball player, but athlete of all time. And the point there is, it's not about getting knocked down eight times. It's whether or not you're going to get up on the ninth time. It's whether or not you're not going to allow what's going on around you to knock you down, but you're going to allow that to give you the confidence, to give you the endurance to go a little further. What is your definition of failure, Josh? 
My definition of failure is simple. It is not accomplishing a task. When you look at the Bible, there are so many individuals whom many have claimed to be failures. Now, granted, there are those in the Bible who, again, we claim who failed at something, but in actuality, they didn't fail at anything. Like, here's an example. There's an example where I was reading about an individual saying Noah was a failure in his preaching. Of course, for those who are listening, we can read about Noah from Genesis chapter 6 to Genesis chapter 8. And as you read about Noah, the Bible says, according to 1 Peter 3, he preached some 120 years. And the Bible says only eight souls were saved, 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. Now, here you have Noah preaching to all these folks. Here you have Noah preaching to all these people during this time in history, and only eight people were saved. When the doors of the ark was closed, it was only Noah, Mrs. Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their spouses as well. Only eight people went inside the ark. Was Noah a failure? Absolutely not. Why is that? Because Noah did what God told him to do. The Bible says in Genesis 6 verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah is not a perfect man. I don't think anyone is claiming he was a perfect man. But Noah was a man who was going to do what God told him to do. And because he did that, he was a successful man. In Acts chapter 17, we read about Paul's encounter with the philosophies, with the philosophers on Mars Hill during that day and time. And that's chapter 17. Now, you would think as Paul goes to Athens, all these wise people, all these people who have uh, pretty much everything figured out, you would think these people will be very receptive to the gospel. How do you handle failure? How did Paul, in our minds, handle failure in Acts chapter 17? Of course, the Bible says in Acts 17, verse number three, Paul, verse two, the Bible says there in Paul, as his manner was, went unto them three Sabbath days, reasoned them out of the, out of the scriptures, opening in a legend that Christ must need have suffered, risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, Paul says that Jesus, he is the Christ. If you remember in Acts chapter 2, what was Peter's uh, preaching to them? The Jesus whom you crucify, he is both Lord and Christ. Verse 4 says in Acts 17, and some of them, not all, but some of them believe and consorted with Paul and Silas and the devout Greeks and great multitude and the chief not a Jew, but the Jews which believe not, they move with envy. You know what? This is what Paul says in Galatians 4, verse 10 to the church at Galatia. Do I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the what? The truth. Proverbs 23, 23, what does Solomon says? By the truth and sell it not. John 5, 39, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they that testify in me. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, verse 9, Is not my word like a fire, said the Lord? Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? Hebrews 10, verse 7, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. In Psalm chapter 1, we read about that man who was blessed. His delight is in the 
law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. The Bible says, but when the Jews believed not, they moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and sell all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out of the people. Paul here again, making his way up to the philosophers of that day. Verse 11 says, I love this verse here. At 17, verse number 11, the Bible says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word of God with readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. Do we search the scriptures daily? Are we diligent in our studies? Are we diligent in our responsibilities to study in the word of God? Paul says, study 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, give diligence, give attention to it to show not anybody else, but to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, handling or right or rightly dividing the word of truth. How can we rightly divide the word of truth if we don't know truth? What is truth? Pilate asked that. Pilate had the audacity to ask the truth. What is truth? Here he is standing truth in the face. Well, you know what, Jesus, what is truth? John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. John 8, 31, 32, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 14, verse 6, Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I find that uh, interesting because of the simple fact that if people walk down the street and truth was staring them in the face, they will have no idea who it is. Their definition of truth and the Bible's definition of truth or east and west, or north and south. But I've also come to realize many people don't want to have anything to do with the truth. Thus, they reject it. And that's chapter 17. Again, Paul here with these philosophers. And that's 17 and verse number 21 following. Paul says in verse number, well, the Bible, Luke records in verse number 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious, you are too religious, you already know everything. For I passed by and beheld your devotion as your gods. I found an inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. I love Acts 17 for this particular reason. What Paul does in Acts 17 is Paul attacks their generation. The Bible says in Acts 17, God that made the word. You know what? Our generation would already disagree. They would disagree with the first word of the sermon, that being God. Our generation says there is no God. Our generation says, you know what? You don't have to believe in God. You can believe in many gods. He goes on to say God that made the world. They would say God didn't make the world. The world came in by accident. The world exploded by some big bang theory or something. Paul says, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and of earth, dwell of night in temple made with hands. We cannot minimize or we could or we shouldn't subject God 
to our own knowledge, to our own limitations, to our own restrictions. God is not measured or restricted by us. We shouldn't limit God by our limited imaginations of God. Why should we have to wonder and guess who God is when God told us of himself throughout the entire Bible from Genesis 1 verse 1 to Revelation 22 verse 21? Not only do we read about the scheme of redemption, God saving man from our sins, but we also read about God introducing himself to us. What is God trying to teach me in failure? You know, sometimes people have this idea in their minds that God is somehow loyal to our personal advancement in life. You know, we love that kind of preacher, don't we? You know what? God, uh, 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 God is about to raise me up to the next level. I may have got fired off one job, but I'm about to be the boss at the next job. We love that kind of preaching because in our minds, it builds us up. But God is not in any way loyal to your personal growth. What is God loyal to? God is loyal to your character development. God wants you to be less of yourself and more of him. And if God does elevate us, if God does raise us up, it has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with God. Sometimes people walk around as if faith is supposed to be easy. Trusting God is supposed to be easy. I'm not saying that at all. But you know what? It's a rewarding thing. What are we talking about? How do you handle failure? Why are we reading Acts chapter 17? Because in Acts chapter 17, Paul goes to... Athens. Paul goes to Mars Hill, Mars Hill, and no doubt in his mind, he is thinking that he is going to just go in there to preach and to convert and to instruct these people on what they have to do to be right with God. But you know what? That didn't happen. Not in that chapter 17, not in Mars Hill. So what does Paul do as he stares failure in the face? How does Paul respond to what just happened to him? After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Acts 18, verse 1. Corinth was a place of commerce. Everyone who loved to shop went to Corinth. Everyone who enjoyed shopping malls went to Corinth. Everyone who wanted to be someone, they went to Corinth. Corinth was a place of commerce. Co Corinth also was a place of culture. When you think about some of the great monuments and statues we have in our world today, Corinth had everything. Corinth had all of that. Corinth was a place of commerce. Corinth was a place of culture. Do you know what else Corinth was? Corinth was a place of corruption. Corinth was bad to the bone. When you think about bad places, bad cities, Corinth was it. How did Paul handle failure? Paul said, you know what? These people are rejecting the gospel, so I'm going to turn my attention. I'm going to go somewhere else. Paul had heard about what was going on in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 down to verse number 13 from the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you So Paul wrote to them, 
And what happened? We read about their repentance. Second Corinthians, those chapters. The Bible says in Acts 18 and verse number 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Paul decided that he was going to shake off the dust of discouragement. Paul decided that he was not going to be defined by his faults and his failures. Paul decided that even though he got knocked down eight times, the ninth time was going to be it. He knew that no matter what was going to happen, verse 10 of Acts 18, God was with him. No man was going to hurt him, for I have much people in this city. What do you do when you stare failure in the face? What do you do when you are not able to succeed in what you're trying to do? How can we become more diligent in this? We do what Paul did. We turn our attention to heaven. We turn our attention to God. And God in his infinite wisdom, God with his matchless grace, will give us the strength to overcome that failure. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Diligent Podcast where we make Bible study come to life. And I'm your host, Joshua Cantrell. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.